0: Hi, my name is... I don't know how to pronounce that. Anyways, I helped produce 610 News on the Mockingbird Podcast Network here in Houston, slash Harris County. Ten years ago, I was a young journalist at an NPR member station. And one day I wrote and recorded what ended up being an extremely well-researched, well-interviewed puff piece on Texas's strength in the face of the 08-09 economic crash, basically written to make everyone feel more comfortable and safe, knowing that Texas would weather the storm much better than everyone else in the country. <laughs> Not one week after my piece aired, we were hit with job losses just as badly as everyone else, and I remember feeling guilty, disillusioned, used even, as though I had lied to listeners to benefit someone or some group of people I had never even met. I asked my news director and mentor if all news outlets and reporters were just unknowing propaganda channels for moneyed interests. I remember she took my question very seriously, thought to herself for a second, then looked me in the eyes, wearing a very sobering expression on her face, and she finally said to me, well it's probably not important what she said because it was from a long time ago and doesn't even apply anymore I don't think. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Audible, Chevron, Squarespace, Microsoft, Tim Ferriss' Chaga mushroom coffee startup, the makers of Candy Corn and Luby's Cafeteria. I'm just kidding. Anyways, we have a wonderful show for you today. After more than a year, we're going to reunite with 610 News hosts Brenda Valdivia and Daniel Cohen. But first, You're going to hear a clip from our interview with Audia Jones. She's a candidate for Harris County District Attorney in 2020. Thanks for listening, and welcome back to 610 News. So, Audia. Yes? Are you really running for Harris County District Attorney?
1: Yes, I'm really, really running. It's official. You it's filed? official. Okay. Filed back in February.
0: Back in February? Back in February. Okay. Yeah. Um, How has it been? Have you been campaigning since February? Or? Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. So um, it's been great. Um, so the feedback's been wonderful. Um, definitely, uh, you know, when they say people versus money, this is literally what our race has come down to. Um, You know, obviously I'm going against an incumbent that's sitting on a lot of money um, And but we definitely have the people behind us and the public is seems like they're wanting a change.
0: I Can imagine criminal justice reform is kind of a sobering Mm -hmm. subject to talk about think about uh, But as a candidate you also have to be passionate and inspiring Otherwise people won't show up to vote for you Uh, What issue Within the sphere of criminal justice reform, uh, excites you the most, yeah. or are you wh- which issue are you most passionate about yeah, tackling? Th-
1: I'm like I think that you know there are definitely a couple that we have. Uh, just to give you, I, I'll, I'll do two. Um, definitely ending mass incarceration. Uh, I think because the United States, what do we hold? Five uh, percent of the world's population, but we house twenty-five percent of the world's uh, prison population. And when we look here in Texas, Harris County being such a large county, you know, we hold a large number of people that are incarcerated. And with that being said, I always tell people 77% of our Harris County jail population is actually in there for nonviolent offenses. Um, So when we talk about that, we have to talk about where it started. It initially started with the war on drugs. So many individuals that are in jail right now are in there because either they can't afford to get out because of the cash bail um, or because of some drug-related offense. Um, or they may be suffering from some type of mental health issue, is what we've seen. Um, so we've, in our campaign, what we want to do is really target the heart of the issue, the root of the issue. What's going to keep the public safe is not by throwing these individuals in jail and locking them away like they're some kind of disease, but really getting them the help that they need um, to get back on their feet without building up a criminal record against them when they, it's not necessary. Um, So that's the first thing is definitely ending mass incarceration, cutting the incarceration rates here in Harris County while making sure, you know, our priority is public safety. Um, The second thing is marijuana reform. You know, that's a hot topic everywhere right now, and we know with hemp being legalized in the state of Texas, um, you know, recently I put out a post that seemed like it got a lot of attention, um, was hemp is exactly the same, you know, comes from the same plant as marijuana. um, It just has a lower concentration of THC, um, but what we see is that it's not keeping the public safe is by actually prosecuting the marijuana charges. And here in Harris County, we have a unique system where the district attorney can literally stop prosecuting uh, marijuana today, yesterday, you know, a year ago, years ago. Um, and that's what we want to do is decriminalize, like literally decriminalize, not, not create a diversion program where people have to pay $150, but no longer accept uh, cases against individuals for uh, possession of marijuana.
0: Audia, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on here. Great show.
0: That was a brief excerpt from our interview with Audia Jones, who is a candidate for Harris County District Attorney next year. We'll be posting the full uncensored interview soon, but for now, it's time to bring back the core of our show, panel discussion with Brenda Valdivia, Daniel Cohen, and myself. Enjoy.
2: Look like an after-school special. You've never seen the Puzzle Palace? Puzzle Palace is a PBS show where a bunch of multicultural puppets talked about friendship.
3: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: That was us. Like all we need is a puppet and a wheelchair, and we're good. Yeah. But I do remember those. Yeah, there was, there was literally one of every ethnicity that they could think of at that time.
3: So it's like Captain Planet, but...
2: But it was a. It was not a, environmental
3: superhero It was
2: like I think it, it took place in a rec room, oh. and it had a like there were all kid puppets. It was a black kid, a Latina kid, a Jewish kid, an Indian kid, um, a Native American Indian kid, and I, I guess the nation's kid. Um,
0: an American kid, you mean?
2: <laughs> I think they yeah. just they, they did have a standard white kid True where American. they never like fully assessed if he was, like, Polish or something, but they were, like, very clear, like, these are all different puppets. Oh, they had one
3: stuff. They had one white kid or something? Yeah, they had
2: one white like kid, but he wasn't the leader. That's how progressive like, it was. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, this is the accomplice <laughs> character. <laughs> He's
3: just there. He's <laughs> there for fun. When the teachers try to f*** around with the other kids. He hurls <laughs> his body in the way. He's like, <laughs> no, back off.
0: Speaking Jeez. of f***ing around, we're back. We're back. we're back. we're back. We're back. Where have you been? Where have you been? You've been? What, Where I have
2: I, I mean. been? Oh, my God. Yeah, I haven't been doing much. I've not well, been doing anything compared to uh, you, Daniel, or you being <laughs> of... i just been working. Working, working and, is hard. Working and being, like, brain weird. So that's my major news. I, nothing nothing in my life has changed. I have no excuse. This is it. i have show
3: shows on the network.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that's mostly...
0: A and you put on a live show... That's true. The first live live
2: show. Which you also did. We both did it together. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's called Recorded Live. Uh We're going to do more shows of that. Yeah. We'll plug that at the end, though. (laughs) We'll skip this part. Maybe,
0: yeah. Maybe we'll do, like, a live 610 version that involves us just asking Daniel... What's going on?
3: That's the whole show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay.
0: Are you okay? How is everything?
3: It, it's going okay <laughs> overall. It's what's, not bad.
2: What's the big pressing political issue for you right now? Like, what's the uh, big big daddy?
3: Uh, I mean, the interesting thing that's going on right now. Is, I mean, it's, uh, there's always there's always lots of interesting things going on, but like. If you want one that's connected from the local level to the national level, like obviously the uh, like immigration fight, um, you know, with ICE raids going on right now, they targeted 2,000 people for deportation, and they were only able to get 35 people. Which is still, you know, that it's not that that's not significant. It's 35 people and 35 lives with all of the friends and family that they have and everything that that disrupts. But uh, it's also worth noting that. Specifically, ICE stated that they were unable to get the rest of the 2,000 people because of community disruption. Uh, so yeah, good for us. Whoa. Yeah, It's, it's yeah. pretty interesting. And there's a lot that's going on related to that. There's an, a national movement now of um, Jewish activists and immigration groups called Never Again uh, Action, which is um, uh, focused on basically um, curbing the activities of ICE. Uh, disrupting their activities, recognizing uh, the place of Jews specifically, like historically in the movement, um, and then making sure to put pressure on different congressional representatives, uh, including but not limited to establishment Democrats that have not um, taken a really like tough stance against deportation and ICE raids from the White House.
0: So people like Ted Cruz.
3: <laughs> right. Yes. Democrats like Ted Cruz. Um, uh, he, he would have been a Democrat in like 1881. Um, no, I mean it's it's just it's interesting to live in these times the same way that like May you live in interesting times is a curse.
2: Yeah. We. I keep saying that we're living in one of the strangest timelines because I. I think about when the show was last on, um, we did have a conversation of, of what, what do we do now? Because it was all so fresh, it was all unknown. We were dealing with multiple unknowns. We had inclinations of where we can go, but seeing the reality of knowing that there are these, um, what now outside watchdog groups of other countries are calling concentration camps, that we can clearly see history repeating itself. The rhetoric is the same uh, pundits saying that, no, we can't call the president racist. These, these uh, detainment camps also have different countries, different people, and it's like, no, it's, it's still the same thing. The actions are clearly mirroring other um, very dark moments of history worldwide, and uh, it's repeating and i think a lot of the people who are watching this now are really struggling to come to terms with it even even people who are or more liberal are struggling to to see the full scope of it cuz for me and us here unless we're throwing ourselves at the fray it really is out of sight out of mind like our lives are still going on relatively quietly there's been no like big personal changes but every now and then I'll hear a rumor of a family friend or a member of the community that they've been devastated by one of these camps or by the actions of ICE. So it's, it's that kind of beginning, it almost feels like a beginning to an end. And I, I feel like we're getting closer and closer to that tipping point of deciding which way is our country gonna treat itself for the next 50 years um and i imagine that's a big weight on you because daniel you've been completely in like the main reason we don't see you is because you're waking up and you're going to one action then you go to work and then you go to another action or another planning for another action like you are in it completely in it Uh,
3: am i at an action right now where am i What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's we're protesting. Did you just come from one? I did. <laughs> yeah, oh, really? you did. I, know, I came from a I came from a, a birthday party, so we're <laughs> okay. you know today today uh, uh, happens to not be one. No, there was there was one on Sunday actually. The first never again action in Houston was on Sunday, and for several hours the uh, emancipation uh, child detention center was shut down. Uh, there were there was the first mass act of civil disobedience there the nice. largest act of civil disobedience there there had been one prior to that when Maya Ford uh, sat down in a traditional Panamanian dress like just sat on the parking lot of Southwest Key um, but this was this time it was seven people who actually sat on the. Uh, and blocked the driveway, and HPD actually somewhat conceded that ground. They just put gates in front of them and said, fine, shut it down, we'll just contain the crowd by sticking gates around you, which, you know, whether that's a, a win or a loss to most people is partly depending on the perspective that you're looking at it from, but what I can say is that the gates were shut down, and people did notice it, and it did get the attention of the news, but we are reaching a, a, a point where... Um, more people are embracing the concept of peaceful civil disobedience uh, to try to to start to kickstart real change. And it's going to be extremely interesting to see how that gets handled city by city in the United States and what the adjustment is and then what the adjustment of other people is. Um, It's also interesting to look at what the national narrative is. We talk about normalization a lot and like where that comes from. And part of it comes from being used to what you see on a day-to-day basis. And part of it comes from just like day-to-day activities of, okay, I see this horrible thing on the news and then I go home and like I watch Netflix or whatever it might be. The other thing that it comes from is treating things as politics as usual. And some of that is is, um, almost unconscious where you get these pundits and they're like, all right, today we're going to talk about the president's infrastructure plan. And how bad it is, right and you know the Democrat talks about you know comes out and rips on Trump's infrastructure plan. Well, you know if you're talking about an infrastructure plan when somebody is basically Im- implementing aspects of authoritarian rule, you're definitely normalizing that as regular governance yeah. by choosing to focus on this like fairly normal sort of debatable concept as opposed to the really nasty you know, uh, governmental policies that he's actually implemented. It's
2: very much that comparison of a frog in slowly heating water.
0: You invited me to an action, Daniel, which you weren't able to attend. It was my first, one of the first ones I'd been to. You invite me to like three or four every week for the last year, which I really appreciate. And uh, I'm sorry, it just took me until a couple weeks ago to go to the first one, but. It was at one of the Southwest Key migrant detention centers that is right near downtown. It's like, it's right there where 200 kids are being held, uh, not with their parents, not with their family members, and it's right next to the BBVA Compass Soccer Stadium. So when I went to the action, I was driving, it was crowded, and on my left-hand side is BBVA Compass Stadium and there are thousands of people going to go see whatever the Houston soccer team is the Dynamo um, the Dynamos yeah <laughs> Dynamo Stadiums I'm here to help and they're all they're all, they're all excited it's a very diverse crowd and it's yeah sports beer hot dogs whatever uh, and then literally not 2 or 3 blocks away the crowd is still the same but it morphs from the colors of the team to uh, protesters, because that's where the detention center is. So it's, it's like, it's right there, it's right in our front yard, and when we were there at the vigil, um, it was crowded, it was crowded as <laughs> And uh, I was, I know there was a little bit of an issue with the police officers and their horses, um, but overall, I was really impressed with the fact that HPD did not escalate, and neither did the crowd. It was just a perfect, nonviolent, for the most part, um, action. And everybody was blowing off steam. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee was there. A couple other people running for office were there. And it was just, everybody was angry. Even the action was not focused on the kids. It was on expressing the anger of the fact that there are these kids and who knows how long it's been since they've seen the light of day. And um, there was one moment that I found really magical where three members of the Houston Grand Opera, they were one of the few people, instead of looking out at the police officers, they were looking through the fences to where the kids were being held and they matched with whatever was being chanted by the crowd, let them go, let them go. But they started singing it. And then it it sort of erupted into this, uh, in the larger umbrella of anger, this pocket of compassion and care and almost like singing those kids a lullaby and um, I don't know all do that to say it was harsh do you all, think, all over
3: do you think that uh, per, you know as I understand there were sort of like different sections or like pockets of people along all the different corners do you think perception of the action changed depending on where you were in the crowd
0: pro Probably,
3: that's. I was just curious because I've, you know, I've been to the center, you know, this point probably 15, 20 times, whatever it is, and it's it's interesting. <clears throat> sometimes when the actions just get so big that you no longer have a central mic or like a central spot, and you you have sort of almost like pockets of organizers with megaphones and things like that, um, you know, as to what what people's perceptions of it are. Um, the, our Indivisible Houston, uh, live stream, uh, guy who also, uh, is one of our co-founders actually, there's a, a, a clip. If you watch the video where this horse like collides into him, uh, and there's another cl- there's another woman who I guess, you know, her, a horse, uh, bruised her ankle up pretty badly. Um, and I mean, my read on it for what it is, what it's worth is like don't have horses <laughs> in a giant crowd particular you know it's not the horse it's not on the horse it's on on the person that's riding it right um, but I really I do hope I mean it might be a fool's hope but I do hope that uh, we don't have unnecessary escalations from uh, from from you know systematically empowered people at these things if possible right is that like that's that's where a lot of this stuff goes haywire and Houston has just as much history of that stuff as anything else, um, but I'm just—I was just curious, you know, if it—if it looks different, if you're on one side of Emancipation or the other, if you know the protest looks a little bit different. Um, there's if you're on one side of Emancipation, or the other. That's a hell of a metaphor. Yeah. Well, you know, you stick a child detention center in Emancipation Avenue, and you know, you kind of invite it. Um,
2: Yeah, it's also important to to remember that actions are a way to show the people in power that you are physically showing up, that you're not going anywhere, that you're aware of this issue and that you're mad about it to physically be there. Because, you know, we talk about voter rates and, you know, people paying attention, what the rate of people paying attention to politics are, and uh, demonstrations are always a great way to not only show the people in power that you're there and that you're aware but also to connect with people in your neighborhood Um, It's it's constantly dismissed there's constantly this dialogue that protests don't do anything they're just a nuisance They're they're just uh, a performance art but um you know performance art has done a lot a lot of our most memorable moments in American in the American Revolutionary War were protests, uh, even sadly the, um, the, the Boston Massacre was started as a, as a protest. And that is one of the biggest catalysts for the Revolutionary War. And yeah, that it, it comes from violence and it comes from a very dark place, but before that there was multiple demonstrations and multiple uh, moments of community awareness. Um, there is no moment in American history that didn't have uh, protesters, that it didn't have community, organize- community organizing behind it. So um, I'm always, I always roll my eyes when people are very dismissive of it um, because even if that specific protest didn't accomplish everything that protest was about, it still creates a sense of community and a sense of belonging for the people who feel exactly the same way you do. So it's important to go because from there, you're gonna find out way more information than Twitter or any newsletter or any website will tell you. You'll be able to see the real people behind who are affected by these policies and who are affected by the people in power.
3: It's true, there's, I was just looking it up and I couldn't find it quickly, but there's, there are studies on like uh, you know, mass protests, right? uh, you know, being connected to voter turnout as it is. Um, and, and and it definitely changes psychology as well on a given issue, um, you know where uh, the the Muslim ban came down the pipeline. The first week of the Trump administration, 55 percent of the American people favored the policy. People packed airports across the United States. A week later. 45% of the people back the policy. So you see these like these precipitous changes in public opinion based on the fact that there's a crowd in the street because people have this perception that somebody is angry and that lots of people are angry. And it, you know, so it's, it's it it makes that um, makes that change. I agree with you. It's it's always weird when, when people are dismissive of it. Maybe it's not weird. Maybe maybe for a populist, that's like watching Netflix all the time. Maybe that's not yeah, so strange. Yeah,
2: and, and people would get annoyed at seeing uh, posters while driving to work. They're like, oh, there's just this guy's just bothering me on my commute. They're blocking trying, traffic. They're I'm doing all this. I'm trying
3: to look at this insurance billboard. Why are you <laughs> waving posters about immigrant children? my facts? if it's not advertising,
0: I'm not interested.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there, I well, and and. There's another piece of it, too, is, like, they can't even get their head around the fact that somebody could just cancel elections eventually in a country when we've had 45 presidents in this country, right? They can't even get their heads around the fact that you might see the, the guardrails of democracy just com- entirely bent or, like, kicked in. And granted, you know, these guard- what we call democracy isn't always democracy for everyone to begin with. But in addition to that, like the functioning democracy we do have, there's no like law of physics that it's all going to just happen like clockwork on a regular basis. You know, countries have had, there have been countries that had elections term after term after term like clockwork and then they just didn't have them anymore. You know, like something else happened. So, you know, protests and and other forms of action and like planning are good for the general social fabric and it's good to be able to do that and to know how to do that anyway, because you may not have elections election to bail you out as it is. I mean, I, I, it might sound wild to say, but it wouldn't be the first time it's ever happened.
2: All right, I guess we should start wrapping this up. Avina, is there anything on your mind you want to talk about?
0: It's been, what, a year and a half since the three of us have really sat down and uh, talked <laughs> about what's going on and done this show. So I'm really glad to be back here and I love our new studio. Uh, we're, <laughs> at, we're at Agora right now. <laughs> um, kind of surrounded by a crowd of people trying to study. Sorry about that. Uh, but this this was great. We're, we've got a ton of candidate interviews coming up for um, the 2019 election in November that's going to happen, which is Houston mayor, city of Houston, uh, or city council members, and probably some local... Propositions, bonds, whatever, flood control, and uh, yeah, my my goal with this revamp is to just have this show be the one-stop shop for someone who's looking to get educated or at least familiar with some of the candidates who are running and whatever else is going on.
3: I am also happy to be here as a contender for the presidency of the United States. Is that Bernie? Indeed. Hey, Beebe. Hi, Senator Sanders. <laughs> this is a lovely coffee shop. <laughs> Do you think that they have a pastrami
2: on rye that I could snack on while we conduct our interview? You know what? We're gonna see what we can. If I could, at the very least, I can get you a nice smoothie.
3: A smoothie. A smoothie is the drink of the 1%, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> a smoothie is a drink of the bourgeoisie.
2: Well, all right, a cookie or something. I don't know. We talked about cookie, a yeah. black and white cookie <laughs> like
3: they have in Brooklyn. I accept that in place of a pastrami on rye, but next time, I demand.
2: I feel the bird, man. Let's do this.
3: All right. Thank you for your support, madam.
2: <laughs>
3: it's really good to see both of you again. And Senator Sanders. I hadn't seen him. And
2: Senator Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) Senator Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Brenda Valdivia.
0: I'm Abhinav Kumar. I'm Daniel Cohen.
2: And this is 610 News.
0: And that's the end of our first episode after a year-long hiatus in this next season. Thank you very much to Cafe Agora on Westheimer and Dunleavy for providing us with the ambiance, coffee, croissant, water, and Clean toilets that kept us all happy while we recorded this episode. Free music archive for the song at the beginning. Flickr for the starry sky and our new 610 News logo. Audacity for sharing its open source multi-track fade-in fade-out and peak correction technology. SanDisk for 32 gigabytes of pure space. Tascam and Behringer for the recording equipment. The pregnant woman who kindly gave up her seat so we could record. Audia Jones for the interview. And of course, all Hugh listeners out there. Thanks for listening to 610 News, a production of the Mockingbird Podcast Network. You can learn more at http colon Slash slash, that's two slashes, www, that's three w's, dot mockingbird dot gov uh, dot com. See you next time.